Hey everyone, I know you've heard me speak about microdosing and how much I love it. And I'm talking about microdosing THC. I love it. And that's why I love our sponsor, microdose.com. Microdose gummies are incredible. They deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And when I mean just the right amount of good, I mean in so many situations, anxiety, sleep, focus, pain, relaxation. There are so many different strains and they're really helpful. And I have recommended microdose.com to so many people. And you know what they say to me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid of microdosing. Go to microdose.com and you'll learn all about microdosing THC. These gummies feel amazing. They taste amazing. I have used them to get me into the zone I need to write. I've used them at night after a stressful day or a stressful show to relax. I have also said to family members, please take a gummy right now. And they've said, oh, good idea. So check it out. Check it out because they're fantastic. And I'm not like a big weed person. I mean, I used to be. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy weed every now and then, but I love, I love these gummies and I take them with me everywhere. So check it out. Don't be afraid. They're all natural. They're fantastic. And you deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to do something that is fantastic. You're going to get 30% off your first order. 30% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Use promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. It's available nationwide. They deliver it to your door. That is microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold for 30% off and free shipping. Do it. Go to microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold. You deserve it. You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome. Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. So let's bring around the star attraction, the one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Miss Judy Gold. What you were doing, you did stand up for 13 years, and then you got this job as a writer at Letterman. How did that come about? I submitted five times between the years 1984 and 1989. And you know, show business, if they don't want you, they won't be in touch. Right. If they want you, they get a hold of you. Right. So nothing. And then I took a year off. And then in 1991, I was at the Friars with a. Friars. Oh, sorry. And then I was with. Uh, <laughs> and, see, it's a and I see, and, and I see Bob Morton, who used to come to the club. And I was trying to get on the. Yeah. I was trying to get on the show as a comic. He's a real estate agent now. Yes. What? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He. Uh, yeah. And uh, if you, you know, does he even have to work? Yeah. What? Well, it's crazy. Let me just say. Having an exclusive on a, f- a four-bed, four-bathroom <laughs> in the valley, if you think that's work, then you just don't know the trade. <laughs> if 
<laughs> so he's, uh, he's uh, at the fries. I walk up to him, and I say to him, are you looking for anybody? And he says, no, we're not looking for anybody. He says, but you know what? Because I used to write full submissions for the show. He said, just write jokes. He's always looking for jokes. And I thought that was odd because his monologue at, at NBC was three jokes, and it was, he would do a monologue like he had to do it like it was part of his contract. He right. was, it was just so offhand. Right. It was so conversational. You didn't believe that they right. were actually jokes being submitted. So I started submitting jokes. I did it for like a week. And on the Thursday of that week, and back then he only did three jokes. He mm -hmm. did one of my jokes. And the joke was, this is 1991. And the joke was, well, Elizabeth Taylor and her new husband, Larry Fortensky, had their first fight. It was over whether or not he should unpack. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great joke. Yeah, that good joke? Yeah. yeah. And then he did one the next night. And so Morton calls me. Right. Now, you remember, Morton never called anybody right. back. Right, Never called anybody back. Mike Reynolds used to say for Halloween, he was going to, dress completely in, in black and cover his face and, and and go as a Bob Morton return phone call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, oh, that's so isn't funny. that great? And so uh, he calls me and he says, it turns out we're looking for a monologue writer. I said, well, what should I do? He says, you've done everything. Just, he said, wait, you know, and I'll give you a call and you'll come in next week. So Adrian and I went out to Vegas to play Bob Kephart's. Mm -hmm. right. oh, Bob, uh, Bob Capart. By the way, for the, for, your, for your listeners, I mean, I hope he's drying out, but right. I don't think so. But um, Bob Capart had a club in Atlantic City and Las Vegas, and mm. Bob Capart at the end of the gig was a seven day gig, and at the end of the gig, you'd get your check post dated for Wednesday. Yes, that's right. <laughs> right, and we had the, he had his tenth anniversary. Adrian was there, Rosie, right. Ray Romano, right. and 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 I was there just hanging out with Adrian. Right. And they gave a bottle of champagne to everybody, and I said, "You're not allowed to open it till Wednesday." <laughs> <laughs> so that was Bob Kephart. So I now, hated that fucking room with the trop, the yeah. comedy stuff at <laughs> the trop. And that fucking condo. All right, go ahead. So I was always the comic that was the last guy in the condo before right. they switched to the hotel. Yeah. And and <laughs> it was always, right. yeah, and the first guy when they went from hotel to condo. Right. I was always that guy, yeah. you know. Look where we're putting Rich Hall next week. Yeah. Okay, great. And uh, so um, I go to Vegas with Adrian, working in Vegas. Me, Adrian, Gary Delina. Oh, yeah. A lot of fun. Oh, my God. Yeah, and, and um, it's all I can do to not think about this gig because it's a life-changing gig. Morton calls me, says, come in Monday. Mm -hmm. We took the red eye back, and Adrian says, listen, when you go in, don't, don't smoke the cigar. Don't have the cigar. And I right. was never without a cigar back then. I was right. never, okay, fine. So I walk in. I'd met Dave a couple times, and he looks at me, and he says, I remember you. Didn't you, you came here with some acts. I, used, I came with Mendoza. Right. I came with Moore. I came with JJ. He said, you gave me a cigar, so he remembered me. Right. So we start talking, and you know, he says to me, I hope we can work something out. It's like, what do you mean? Uh, fucking ask me. What do you mean? Right. Hope we can and then I saw Steve O'Donnell, and he said, I hope we can work. You know. right. And then Dave said, make sure that you come back and say goodbye before you leave. So I see Steve, I see Morton, I hope we can work something out. Right. Now I come back, and uh, I say to Dave, do you have any advice for me? And this is a guy never gave feedback. It was he was always just a yes no guy, and he said this to me. 
it's the most practical piece of advice I ever got, and maybe the only piece of advice he ever gave me about writing jokes. He said, listen, don't write anything longer than four lines. I don't care how good it is. If it's longer than four lines, I can't fit it on a cue card. So that was the, the, and they never said it. And then the last thing I said to him was, listen, you know, for what it's worth, I hear your softball team needs a center fielder. Because I was a... Yeah, you were like a major softball player. And he said to me, we need everything. And I got hired the next day. Wow. Yeah. So you worked something out. Yeah. (laughs) Now, did you... Did, I mean, that was a life-changing. Oh, absolutely. And and, and how did, was that for your relationship? And, and also, was Adrian like, oh, my God, thank God? Or She was. She was. We were very, very thankful because we were a little... We were a little in the hole because I was a degenerate gambler. Right. Now, let's say just for round figures, this is the way my mind worked back then. Let's say for round numbers, we were 50 G's in the hole. Right. My plan back then, <laughs> so 50 G's in the hole. The Knicks. My, no, my plan back, well, <laughs> after that, plan B. Plan right. A was the Knicks. Plan B was get hit by a cab right. and sue the cab company for $65,000. <laughs> 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 that was the plan. Right. That was the plan. Or right. get a job. And uh, so I get this gig. And and you had no idea how long you'd be there. No. I had no idea how long I'd be. You know, you're just trying not to get fired. Right. And every was, fucking TV job is like that. It's every, if you're an actor, a writer, you know. A musician, anything, anything. It's not meant, you're not meant to have a job for 24 years. And it was very tough on Adrian at first. She did not tell me because all of a sudden I'm not around during right. the day and I'm working these straight hours. Right. And I would stay up late, you know, but so that was that was very tough at she first. She had to adjust. But then yeah. I But mean, she didn't have to go on the road anymore. Right, correct. And she got to do what she wanted to do. And you know, it works and all you know, your life really, really changes. You know, all of a sudden you know, we're living in an apartment without vermin. Right. And, and uh, I like I lived on twenty oh, fifth. Fanny, no. Fanny. <laughs> <laughs> Give yourself one. Okay. And then, <laughs> um, you know, we lived on twenty fifth Street, and you, you know how rats and mice can't live together. Yeah. You know, they're like the Shiites and the right. whatever the, the other Sunnis, people. Yeah. yeah, they can't live together. So there would be rats coming out of every building on 25th. Right. My, my building, mice. Right. And they were like, you know, you should thank me. You know, the landlord, right. you should thank me. Because you, you don't just, have rats. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you get, you get to move and, um, and it's, a, it's a grind. But it, um, to me, it was great because to me, it combined all of my careers because I love being a newspaper man because I love deadlines. Right. I love being a, and I love being a comic. And right. this was just getting a paper out every day. But I still did stand up for the first year or so I was at the show. And I remember I would go to the Catskills on the weekend. Oh, I remember that Saturday night gig. Right. And, and you yeah. would, and you know how when you're in your, you're going to the Catskills, right? Yeah. And it's about, let's say it's 6.30. Yeah. And you're almost at the George Washington Bridge. <laughs> And then you got to go over the Georgia, the Palisades Parkway, yeah. up to you know the Quick Way, yeah. and and then and you, I, I would be driving over, and I would think I've done nothing. I have to do all this drive, then I have to wait around, then I have right. to do my little act, right. and then I drive all the. I've done nothing, and then so as bad as that was, right. 
now I got this job where I'm writing at the time, I was only writing about 20 jokes a day. I went up to about 50 or 60 a day. Wow. So I'm writing 100 jokes a day, which is the equivalent of about 25 minutes of material, four jokes a minute. Right. And I'm thinking, I'm in this car, I'm going up the Catskills to do my shitty little act that I've right. been doing for 13 years of the same jokes, and I'm giving this guy right. 25, new, 25 new minutes a week. He's doing it, he's not doing it, doesn't right. matter. But what does that say about me as a right. comic about how lazy I was? You know, if it weren't, I had the accountant's attitude. Towards, right. Let me tell you about a gig we did in the Catskills. So one time, Adrian and I are booked together, and and Adrian got the better gig because Adrian got the gig with the stage, right? And um, <laughs> with the actual stage and what, which which hotel? Adrian was a, it was a, we were both working at Cuchulains. So Adrian, <laughs> Adrian did one place. I want to say it's like Vacation Village, right? Right. Right. And it was when Adrian said, "Where's the ladies' room?" And they say it's through that door. She walked through the door. She's outside. You know, it's the ladies' right, room. Right. It's a tree. So, <laughs> and the ante room before right. you went on, my hand to God. Before the the room next to the stage, my hand to God. There's a menorah, with, <laughs> with, with like a neon flashing right. sign on the menorah. Six million. No way! Like, no like, way! like an Auschwitz no McDonald's. No Honest way. to God. No way. Six million. No way. So Adrian, uh. you know, goes and it's a legit place because, right. like I said, a stage. <laughs> right. So then, and I go to some bungalow colony, you know, with right. the barbed wire. I mean, they flee the Nazis so they and, can vacation <laughs> in a concentration preaching camp. camp. Now you got it. So now it's uh. so there's a show. My show's at two a.m. Right. So there's a twelve yeah, o'clock show, late. and there then was... they all go back. They, so the show, the twelve o'clock show, ends, and now everybody goes back to their bungalows for like a gang toity. Right. And now they come back <laughs> for the two. Right. Right. Now I'm closing. Right. And I gotta follow a hypnotist. Right. Two in the morning. Hypnotist putting people under. <laughs> two in the morning. So he gets four guys right. from the stage for you know. Yeah. For it, it, you know, uh, I don't call. <laughs> we used to not call hot seats. We used to call them. <laughs> 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 it, I would say, "Where are you working this weekend?" Adrian would say, <laughs> <laughs> So now he gets four guys on stage and he puts them all under and he does a couple of things. Okay, fine. Now the third thing he does with them, he says, "We're going to have an ice cream licking contest." <laughs> And the guy that does it the best wins the prize. So now he's giving these phantom ice cream cones to each guy. First guy says, right. you get chocolate. Right. And you get vanilla. Right. And you get strawberry. Mm -hmm. Now he's run out of traditional flavors. Right. He's up to the fourth guy and he says, and you get heavenly hash. And the guy under says, no. Why not? You don't. Not kosher. <laughs> he's under. He's observing dietary law while he's under. <laughs> Honest to Christ. I mean, I gotta follow this guy. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So yeah. So I remember that. I remember those fucking you, shows. You and would, you get home at five in the morning. You get home at five in the morning. Jack Belak, who was a hundred. Oh my God. Would call to give you the directions, yeah. and oh, he Jody would sit. Jack right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, Jack Bell. Jack Bellack used to call me once a year, once every six months. <laughs> and what he 
what he meant to say when he would call me <laughs> was, um, you know, do you, will you do anything? Right. And but what he would come out with, Bill Jack Bellat, do you do you do anything? It was come out like that. Yeah. Do you do anything? Do you do anything? I mean, it's like what? What do you mean? I, he was. I can't. I still and he can would see give you. He would, he would yeah. give you directions, and it would be you know take yeah. the third light because we didn't have GPS. Right. right. Yeah. Pull over and ask a cop. Yeah. That would be on the directions. <laughs> and they were. Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah. One time I was coming home from that late night gig. It was me. I was driving. It was Howard Feller. Oh God. Wow. His remember his girlfriend, what the fuck was Oh her no name? no Gilda. Gilda, yeah, yeah. Gilda Conrad. Conrad. And Karen Lorschbaugh, who hates me. I don't know why. She uh, she decided she right. hated me and well, she threw my picture at the yeah. comedy store in LA. You know, anyway. Larry Amaros would not go on at a comedy club until they took down the picture of Bobby Collins. Is that true? <laughs> well, would, would refuse to go on. <laughs> Funny. Would refuse. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's Bobby Collins. Yeah. Um, and we yeah, so, got a flat tire oh, on no. the way home oh. at like four in the morning. Was it your car? Yes. Did you get a lot of work because you had a car? I had my father. My father had died, and I had got his Buick. Yeah. Right. But I, I was getting work anyway. But then I got to drive. Yeah, I would now, drive. Now, when did you ever work for Jerry Stanley? Oh, Jerry, yeah, I remember Jer that. Now, name. Jerry Stanley could have been the richest guy in comedy right. but he was like a petty thief and he was a small time guy and Jerry Stanley opened this there were a bunch of clubs in Jersey most of them were on Sunday night and he paid $55 there's three three man show if you drove he gave you $15 okay. for for guests and if you MC'd he gave you $10 so you could be driving and emceeing and be the worst act in the car and make the most money. Right. <laughs> yeah. And John and, and Mendoza, John Mendoza used to, and everybody it was fifty five dollars, right. fifty five dollars. John Mendoza used to say to me, "You want to drive Heyman crazy, John Heyman?" Oh yeah. He said, "Just before you get paid at a Jerry Stanley gig, cup another twenty in your hand." <laughs> then count then count the money in front of me. <laughs> yeah, 70, 75. Yeah. That's right. And then just walk away. He said, drive him crazy. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> Where is John Heyman? John Heyman worked on Curb Your Enthusiasm last year. Oh, wow. Yeah, Larry okay. gave me, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's wow. out there, yeah. And John Mendoza, John Mendoza oh, was really, really funny. And uh, I like to think I helped get him the Tonight Show. I mean, yeah. he was oh, plenty, plenty good. I remember when he did it. I was like, who's this guy? That's He's great. phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. But he used to do, guys, I love guys that did lines once or twice and never again. Right. And he did a line, he would go on stage and he would say, any uh, Vietnam vets? Yeah, I'm the only one again. I mean, I used to <laughs> love that one. Jerry Seinfeld, you know, Marr used to talk about the way Jerry had thrown out an A act. Right. And Jerry did a piece, maybe he did it twice or three times, and the, and the piece was on being bar mitzvah and he would say you know when you're jewish and you're 13 you get bar mitzvah and it's today i am a man he said now when i was 13 he said my skin was breaking out my voice was cracking none of my clothes fit i was awkward if i was standing by the side of the road and a car broke down i don't think the guy would say let me see if we can get that man to help us <laughs> <laughs> he never and he did it like right. it because it identified him there as jewish I know. What is that? It's that bund thing, yeah. you know? It's what? It's a bund thing, yeah. you know, like they're going to come after yeah. you. Yeah. But it's also like Seinfeld was 
four Jews on that show, but never mentioned that they were Jewish. Right. Yeah. Right. Like the four most Jewy characters, and it's the most successful sitcom ever. Right. And yeah, all right. Yeah. So you you you. It's baffling. It is. Yeah, you know, um, uh, Jason Alexander. I was the first guy to read for George. You were? Yeah, because I was in Larry. Larry did a, a, a review of all the sketches that had gotten turned down on Saturday Night Live. He put it all together in a show, and it was the and so there was a troupe, and it was him, me, Scrovan, Steve Scrovan, oh, I John, love Steve. yeah, the John Heyman, and uh, uh, Mike Ivey, nice. Howard Feller. And we had a we we had one girl playing all the girl parts, and a woman named Kathy Levitan, and we did two runs. Right. And um, and so he Larry would say to me, you know, you do me better than anybody. So he writes this pilot with Jerry, and he says, will you come over and put a scene on tape so I can show it to Jerry? So I went to Kenny Kramer's apartment. Oh yeah, and Larry played Jerry, and I played George, and we did the scene. I'm cracking Larry, you know, and we finished the scene, and he says, "Oh, I'm going to submit this," and I go, "Well, who else is up for this?" And he says, "Larry Miller." I said, "Who's been auditioning for the part of Jerry's best friend for right. forty years?" Yeah. <laughs> he says, "And Jason Alexander." I said, "The guy just won the Tony." Yeah, it's the same guy, and um, <laughs> so that's that's what happened, and. Um, <laughs> So Jason, this is years later, a few years later, he's on our show, he's on Letterman show. And I, talking to Larry, I don't know <clears throat> about what, and I said, hey, Jason <laughs> was, on, was on the show tonight, and he says, uh, are you enjoying the way he's distancing himself from the character? And <laughs> was so pissed off about that. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. So... All right, so you get this job, your whole life changes. Right. And you start writing these books. Like, it's sort of like a dream come true. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, is that because, and you'll understand this. This is, here's where the self-loathing comes in. Right. So I get this job at Letterman, which is great, and, and I feel great about it for about six months. Right. And then it's, well, I'm not a real writer. Right. I'm just writing gags right. for some guy. You know, real writers, know. real writers, they write books. And I don't have the gene in me to write a book. And things happen in 1995. I start writing my first novel. It's the one novel that hasn't been published. And because it was typical first novels, 100,000 words, right. 80,000 of which were I. And um, everybody said the same thing. Everybody said, this is hilarious. Right. How about a plot? Right. And I thought that was a little nitpicky. Right. And uh, so for my second book, I said, oh, I'll go with this plot thing that yeah. everyone's so thrilled about. And, um, but I, uh, so I write my second book. It gets published. And of course, which is great, which is astounding. And then you think, yeah, but anybody can uh, right. write exactly. a book. Right, exactly. Yeah. A real writer yeah. writes Two knobs gets right. pulled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this goes on right. to this day. You know, I'm right. almost, I'm almost a real writer. Wait a minute. Right. I got it. Went through all these books, right? Where's the memoir? Like uh, you have know, the great. The are you stories. kidding me? This, yeah. These stories. Just what we're doing today. Yeah. You've yeah. worked with everybody. Like I have a million questions. You knew Bill Hicks. Oh, you got, yeah. not only did I know Bill you Hicks, know the, the Adrian. Story. Yeah. was responsible for getting him on the old show, even though, of course, Jay takes credit. Right, of As course. he takes credit for everything. Right. 
You know, all of a sudden, you know, I was in the <laughs> North Pole. I saw a comet in Paris. It was a comet in the North Pole. <laughs> really, Jay, you were in the North Pole? Yeah. Everything. Here's the thing about Jay. Everything he's doing is correct. Right. Everything you're doing is, is wrong. And yeah. Jeff Stilson said a great, who's one I of my best friends, one of the great. I love him. Yeah. He's very happy. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> so, uh, when, when Jeff was working on Chris Rock's HBO show, right. he goes with Chris to Leno and Leno sees him and takes him aside and says let me tell you what Chris is doing wrong on this show (laughs) and and Jeff says well Jay uh, Chris is going for laughs not votes and walked away (laughs) so perfect oh my god that is perfect yeah but uh, you know but I I just want to say coming around full circle three days after she dies I get a call from Jay. And Jay and I hadn't talked in a long time because we both got caught up in the nonsense. Right. And he called and left a message, and I mean fighting back tears, and I had two thoughts when I heard the message. First of all, this really happened. Right. <laughs> was if he's call- and then right. and then the next thought was I can't wait to get home. And tell Adrian, right. guess who called me? Let him call me. Let him call me. We're all good right. now on everything. But um, but uh, no, yeah. But Remember Adrian what? saw. Bill. Oh, We're right. not going to talk about that because it's because to me, I don't uh, I don't think that it's. Uh, I like telling the stories, and I just don't. I think that if I got them all together, you know, when when I get it, whenever. Uh, I come out with a book, mm-hmm. the world yawns, and I think that that would be the case. You know, and I wanted to. I when it, I call the book Ambien. <laughs> <laughs> well, then now, now, now we're having a conversation. <laughs> you know, the first time I took it, let me just say okay, the first. Yeah. Time, so I take, they say take Ambien, get into bed within twenty minutes, right? Because you know you're going to be cooking, right? right? The whole thing. Yeah. So yeah. I t- it was after my first surgery because when you get out of the hospital, you can't sleep that mm-hmm. well. So give me Ambien for five days, and the guy says take it, but then you got to get in bed within 20 minutes. So I go okay. So I take it. I get in bed. At the 20th minute, I think this is. Bu- <laughs> 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 six hours later, just a complete yeah, shape right. pull, and that's then six hilarious. hours later, <laughs> that's wake up Wednesday. It's, um, yeah. so, and you've written for so many people, yeah. And, or, and then you've so you wrote for Barack Obama, yeah. But that was Larry came to me, right? He called Mr. Zeb, the David. Uh, Obama, I gotta write you know, it's, everything right. is an emergency, right. and um, so we met and we we wrote some jokes and we had a lot of fun. And you know, here's the great thing about Larry David, he really gives it up, right? And Jerry Seinfeld really gives it up, and not all comics right. give it up. Some very famous, com- and I think that that is a huge character defect. If you're a comic and you can't laugh at, at somebody someone else's joke because it's too threatening, right. Steve that, Martin, right? Does he listen to this? Because <laughs> he would be in that club, right? You know, you have to ask yourself: Have you ever seen Steve Martin laugh at somebody else? Right. That's you know? te- it, that is the worst. Yeah. To me, that is a capital right. offense. Right. 
you know. So, but then you met Barack when he did Letterman. I met him a couple. Yeah. Oh, well, right. you know, I know the story. Yeah. So, so, but here's uh, the when. So Obama came on as a candidate, was great, and now he comes on as a sitting president, and it's all different because they have to really upgrade right. security. So what they they have to close off all the, the the entrances, and everybody has to funnel through under the marquee, right? So and, right, so they have to. So I'm going through the metal detector. And then the guy wands me. Before he wands me, I say to him, this, I only had one artificial hip. Right. I said, I have an artificial hip. Uh, and so he wands me. Big smile on his face. They were always great, those guys that worked with Obama. Some secret yeah. servicemen are, you know, they're like the, you know, your image of secret. So he's smiling. And now he looks at me, smile completely fades from his face. And he says to me, what's in your pocket? And there was a, my, I was wearing a sport coat, and there was like a bulge in my left sport coat pocket. And I knew what it was, and I reach in, and I pull out 50 packets of Splenda that I had stolen <laughs> from the Starbucks across the street. Jew! And the guy, and the guy, you remember the guy, we have a Jew in Area A. Scramble, scramble. Ah, that's so funny. But he's, he's, he's funny like a comic Obama. Yeah, oh, his timing. Fantastic. Those yeah. dinners, well, and fuckhead won't even do a dinner. That motherfucker. No, why? And, and and you know what? It's the only thing he's done that right. I like. Right. That he didn't do the correspondence right. dinner. Yeah. So yeah. Well, he has no sense of humor. He's so. a. He's a. But you know, here's the thing about him pre, pre candidate. You know, I, I always thought he was, you know, a miserable human being. But Bill Maher used to do a bit about Don King. And how he thought Don King was just the lowest form of life. And then they were on some show together and they were in the green room. And Don King saw him and said, Bill Maher, you're a national treasure. You're a brilliant man. I never miss your show. You're and Bill Maher thinks, Don King, King is a pretty good Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So Trump used to come on the show. And, and Dave loved him because, as Dave would say, he could really take a punch. Mm -hmm. And he... Um, I would have to. I would go up to the guests afterward. Thank you. I never had much of an exchange, and and I went up to Trump because I knew he was a big golfer, and I said, uh, "How you hitting him?" And he said, "I'm down to like a two, which I know is a lie. Right. He's not a two <laughs> handicap." And I said, "Great, you know, good, okay." So, so now he leaves. The next time he comes on the show, and I, I used to. This is way too revealing about me. When the Celebrity Apprentice was on, I would walk the streets pretending that I was a contestant in the boardroom and what I would say to him that they would have to throw me out. What I would say to him that right. I would call him Donnie. Right. You know, and that I would just be in his face right, all the right. time and how long I would last. Right. You know, when you're walking in this Adrian used to say she didn't have an imaginary friend, she had an imaginary biographer. You know, she so I mean, but I was you know, but I would walk in the street imagining this nonsense. Right. And um, so, and and then when he said the thing about, you know, we all know how Barack Obama got into Harvard, you know, he played that card. Right. And, uh, you know, so he was just always beneath contempt, always. Right. So now he comes, but, but a great guest. So now he comes on the show. This is a couple times later. And he finishes up whatever his nonsense is. And I come over and he sees me and he shakes my hand. And he points to me and he says to Dave, terrific golfer. 
which I am not. Right. And I just, you know, Donald Trump is a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> and even somebody like right. Katie Turr right. will frequently say, <clears throat> I don't, I don't yes, think. Yes, father. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the story about her father yes! when the guy called? Yeah. yeah, Zoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, do that again. I mean, grab the guy by the <laughs> right. neck. And um, Katie Turr will still say he can be charming. Right. He can do that thing where, you right. know, but. I want to read that book. Did you, have you read her book? Uh, I read a big, big excerpt from it in uh, a few months ago yeah. before, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it's great. She's yeah. a wonderful writer. I know, I love her. Um, don't you hate him? Yeah, I do. You know what I but but the thing is is that all the energy is going in the wrong direction and the new thing that people uh do that drives me nuts that the media does is they are constantly now congratulating themselves when they successfully psychoanalyze him. Right. That 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 is somehow Health. the ground yes. to be gained. You know, and like when they say things like, well, the reason, you know, the reason why that he's so obsessed with the NFL is because he was denied ownership of an NFL team twice. Right. Oh, bravo. Right. You know, that doesn't solve right. the fact that, you that know. He's a fucking unfit. <laughs> right. That doesn't case. solve the fact that he's going to build a wall and then put a warning track in front of right. it. Right. So that the border security <laughs> can make those spectacular catches. <laughs> you know, so it's not so. so Ugh, I can't take him. Hey, everyone. You know what I just did? I tore, I poured, and I enjoyed a packet of Liquid IV. Because I love Liquid IV. Liquid IV is a major part of my life. And I just worked out with my trainer. And I had a delicious lemon ginger liquid IV. That one has a little extra. That has a little green tea in it. And so that's a little caffeinated. So I enjoy that because I needed it today. And you know, it's getting warmer out. And what does that mean? Summer. Oh God, please come. It can't come soon enough. And that means you have to hydrate. And that's what liquid IV does. It hydrates you with benefits like electrolytes, vitamins, and clinically tested nutrients. And it has three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in one little stick. And that's why Liquid IV is the number one powered hydration brand in America. Okay? And I love it. I use it every day. Ben's basketball team uses it. It is a science-backed formula that works. It keeps you hydrated. And they have sugar-free. They have sugar-free packets in white peach, green grape, raspberry melon, and lemon lime. Okay? I didn't do the sugar-free. Okay. But Elisa does the sugar-free. So what are you going to do? You're going to stay hydrated because it's very, very important. And Liquid IV has been a longtime sponsor, and I love them. And they are a quality product. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to turn your ordinary, ordinary, can't speak. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Judy Gold at checkout. That's J U D Y G O L D. 
That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, can't even say my name, at liquidiv.com. Got it? You're welcome. Um, how is life without Adrian? It, you know, uh, it, it's a, um, it is really odd. I just want to, I'll just pass this along. Don't, don't let anybody tell you um, when you're supposed to start living again. And right. don't let anybody tell you when you're supposed to stop mourning. Right. Because there's no playbook for this. I was, it was really, really tough. Right. And then at about six months, it was okay. And then I had an, uh, you know, it was okay for like three months. And I was okay. All right. I'm going to be okay. all right. Yeah. And then I hit the, then the seasons change. And yeah. I, cause now this is when it all started right. to happen yes. last year. And I just hit a wall and it's, you know, there's no, uh, there really is no uh, playbook for this. And I, um, you know, uh, the only, uh, the good thing is I know I'm never going to get married again because right. I don't have to because I did it. Right. And I don't know if that's a good thing. And I have my niece living with me. You know that? You do? Oh, this is a great story. So we, we now, and thank you for coming to the memorial. So oh after my God. Yeah, after the memorial. Maybe the it best thing unbe- I've ever seen. It was seen. unbelievable. But here's, now here's the thing, and because and we're way, way far adrift of what this podcast is about. So we have this memorial. Right. It's on a Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. in January. 400 people show up. It was beyond anything I could have ever had hoped for, for Adrian and for everybody that loved her. And it was great, and it was great. And then about three days later, it started. About four or five people. How come I didn't know about the memorial? No fucking way. Are you fucking kidding me? How come I didn't know about that? People. And you know what's amazing? Not any of the four was Jim David. <laughs> How come I didn't know about the memorial? <laughs> How come I didn't, I didn't know about the memorial? <laughs> I wanted no to get you to get... funny that I is. would, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, that was unbelievable. And, and I say to him, like, there, oh, were, there, were, four, you, there were 400 people. Yeah. It was on... And then you would say, then I would get engaged. Right. My mistake. And I would say, well... There were 400 people there. It was on Facebook. Right. It was on Twitter. It was in the papers. Right. Well, I don't, I don't do any of that stuff. Too bad, yeah. you yeah. fucking asshole. And yeah, and you know, you weren't missed. I fucking hate, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, really. And I hate you. Have yeah. you and Adrian hated your fucking guts, yeah. too. <laughs> it was As Adrian awesome. would say, totally free of the burden of talent. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, but, it so was it's after the So it's after the memorial, and I'm taking my family out to lunch the next day, and my sister says to me is this the doctor no 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 this my sister is a teacher the long teacher, time fourth grade teacher yeah she, she said to me uh Allie, who's my other sister's daughter is leaving abercrombie and fitch she's a designer and she's moving to new york and i barely know this little girl she's right. 29 <laughs> but in my head i think this is important so i go right. up to Allie and i say i hear you're moving to new york right why don't you why don't you move in with me and stay with me and it's one of the great gifts, you know, and I barely, I, we barely knew each other, right. but it's, you know, it's good morning, good night, I love you. You get that every day. Right. And she is the gorgeous, 
adopted Korean daughter right. of my sister. So as I tell people, she's now been living with me long enough so the doorman believes right. she actually is my niece. Right, right, right. <laughs> and she has a pet rabbit. If this was 30 years ago, I could have sold this show to right. Fox. Exactly. You know, so, like, <laughs> widower's peak, right? Yeah. And um, so... <laughs> Margaret Chow. <laughs> yeah. So on Monday, every Monday I leave the house before her because I get up early and I walk across the park to my shrink on West End Avenue, right. which is the most Jewish thing you could possibly ding, do ding, in New York. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Walk across yes. Central park, park to your to shrink. Yeah. And uh, so I go, and now I come back, and then she comes back from work that night. And I said, how'd it go? She said, well, and her, her rabbit's name is Albert. She said, I was late for work because Albert got out of his cage, and I couldn't find him for 20 minutes. So I was late for work. Right. So I go to work, and I go to my supervisor, and I say, I'm sorry I'm late, but Albert got out of his cage, escaped, and it took me 20 minutes to find him. And the supervisor said, and Albert is your uncle? You live <laughs> which is which is so close yeah. to what's going on yeah. in my house. <laughs> That's fucking but, hilarious. Yeah. So we, I, I don't know. Do we want to talk about the cue card guy? I mean, I, I yeah. But, well, it's it's you. If you want to talk about it, you can. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give you. It's not gonna be very spicy. I'll just say to you that I knew this guy. We were very good friends. Yeah. For well, okay, I'll tell you a funny version. We won't talk about right, okay. the assault, but I will say this. So this was a guy that you know loved going to HR. Right. You know, loved, yes, yes, yeah, yes. He loved, I know those he, people. He loved doing that. He was right. the Vietnam vet in the mailroom. Right. It's right. like you know, whatever you do, you know. Right. Don't piss and, off. And and, so and, and Dave yeah. enabled people like this because right. he just didn't want to deal. And I understand that. Right. So Tony and I were very good friends. His uh, former lover was the cue card guy at the at late night, mm -hmm. and I was friends with him. And I got right. to be and and so Tony. <laughs> here's a Tony story. So Dave gets shingles, and we have a series of guest hosts, and one of the guest hosts was Brad Garrett. And Tony didn't feel that he should have to work at the show when <laughs> other people were hosting. <laughs> So, so he purposely right. does not write the full information on a card. Right. And Brad Garrett, you know, he's not doing his act, so right. what's going to happen, right? right? You know, our next act is a... And Brad Garrett freezes because there's nothing on the card. Right. And then, so we, you know, stop the tape. Brad Garrett starts to get angry. Tony gets angry at him, spits at him, storms off, and the next... Day, he calls Barbara Gaines from the airport and he says uh, I uh, I have left the show I'm not coming back till Dave comes back and it's like well you you know can't right can't do That's that not how it works yeah. yeah so you can't do that so <laughs> he <laughs> so you know he quits and then they fire him and then he you know blackmails he gets his right, job right back but while he's has quit the show and is in Florida, I was Julie Halston, our mutual right. friend. She's in Gypsy, and right. Adrian and I are going to Gypsy, and I've invited him and somebody else. But he's quit the show and right. moved to Florida. Right. So I invite somebody else, and he calls me the day the day of the thing. He says, "What time should we meet?" I said, "Tony." 
I didn't, you know, I heard you quit the show and moved to Florida. I gave, but that was really helpful, you know, and, and he was all, I said, well, what can I say? So he hangs up on me, right? Now he comes back to the show mm-hmm. and he, um, he pulls a little, <laughs> pulls a little number on me, which gets me down to HR. Right. Saying that I used some offensive language oh, around God. him at a comedy show. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned I worked on a comedy yeah. show. <laughs> So I get written up. Oh, and my, my brother, God. the lawyer, right. has to call. And I get written up by this woman who is just doing her job, who is, I'm good friends with. She, and my brother calls her back and says, you know, we can't. So now I leave, I then leave the show. I take a leave of absence from the show to finish a book. And I come back to the show and I realize if I'm going to start again at the show, I have to take care of my troublesome relationships going forward so the first day back i go to tony and because I, I have to work with him when right. you're doing the monologue you're working exclusively with right. the cue card guy. yes this is going to pay off believe me no i love so it, i go right. in I'm and i say invested. to him listen i'm sorry about what i said and if it offended you and i just want to let you know that i don't behave that way anymore so and he's stunned. He can't believe right. that I'm apologizing for something that happened a year ago. So the next day, he walks in my office. He decides to unburden himself. And he says to me, I just want to tell you that the reason that I turned you in to HR was because you disinvited me to Gypsy. Ah! Which is maybe oh the gayest reason to drop this to drop a dime on because you disinvited. Is that is, is that? But that's you know yeah, that's, right. the, that's, that's 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 Tony. Yeah. That's Tony. That's so. Funny. That's Tony. I hope he's okay. I hope he got yeah. help. You know, it was really a terrible. It was really a you know a bad right. moment for me. But the show was great to me and i think the show did the right thing the show did the right yeah. thing. How are you meanwhile he got a better severance package yeah. than i did <laughs> but how are you and eddie these days i haven't seen eddie i haven't seen eddie in 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 a long time what is eddie saying i got him fired no. <laughs> now why don't you i wanted to know what you thought of that whole thing eddie he he did the podcast too eddie brill was interviewed for something and says it was taken out of context but he but he, he okay New York so let Times. me right yeah but <laughs> so also here, here's, it's like don't interview for something if you don't check first of yeah, all you had to Eddie clear Brown, every right. interview right with the show before you did it right he didn't because he had done a lot of them over the years mm-hmm. he didn't think he had to and he said something representing the show whatever taken out of context taken right. in context he said something the show could not defend as a representative of the show right he said something the show could not defend right so the show said well you can't book axon and right. you you know but you're gonna we'll we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep you, you as, as the, the warm-up warm up. guy and then so that i think it was about two years later or whatever <laughs> and he you know he did something after a show that he was told, you know, and 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 that's and it's really too bad. I mean, because he, you know, he loved the gig. I mean, I got him the gig, you know, and um, but 
you know, he had a, a, a million last at bats. Right. Who does gets, you know, quoted in the New York Times saying, you know, women comics women are, aren't funny. Are, are, women comics aren't authentic. Right. And they're just trying to be guys, you know, and then keeps his job like they, that was nice of them to let him still do the warm up. Right. And then the other thing was then he got into it online with Amy and um, and who was she going out with? He was oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he got into it with uh, he kept. But he referring, kept, going, he kept yeah. referring to Amy as, you know, your girlfriend rather than right that she's a comic right and you know i mean there's people sitting at this table who probably should have gotten on the show Mm -hmm. five years earlier Mm -hmm. i can't tell you and i didn't go out that you know and and i think that look i think that eddie always did the best he could i really do believe that i think he did the best he could and but it's a very powerful position and I don't know if you ever met Jim McCauley when he was with the I Tonight. I did, yeah. The most corruptible, I mean, like right. the corrupt mayor of a small town, <laughs> right, Jim right, McCauley. Right, right. And, yeah. um, and we can say that because he's dead. But right. So, Eddie, this is, this is the thing. It's, I can't tell you, I wouldn't go out that much. But I would go out with Adrian. She would say, I want you to see this guy. I want you to see this girl. I want you to see this. And I would... Not unlike, and you and I had the same conversation. We did. She did the gig with. I can't remember the third act on that show, right. but I went up to you and I said, "Has anybody seen you?" And everybody would always. It was an identical look that everybody gave me. They would give me that look, like, "Well, you know what that is." And right. I, oh yeah, okay, right. And a um, couple people, I was able to get in under the tent flaps, and I'm happy about that. But it was it's a very powerful job. And right. it's and easy it, it's easy to go down and especially if you're an act. Right. You know, Al, Alan Bursky. Do you know Alan Bursky? I know that name. A, okay, so Alan Bursky was the guy that loaned Freddie Prince his gun to shoot him. Because Freddie Prince oh, got rid of all his guns. Right. Alan Bursky's guy jumped off the No 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 no, 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 no. That's Steve Lubetkin. That's Steve Lubetkin, yes. Alan Bursky was the youngest person ever to be on The Tonight Show. The youngest commenter. And uh, Freddie Prince got rid of all his guns because he was suicidal. And then he was friends with Alan. And he said, I'm depressed. And Alan said, why? He says, because my shrink told me to get rid of all my guns. And Alan said, I got a gun. (laughs) (laughs) So so now, Alan Bursky. (laughs) So, So, yeah. What a coincidence. And yeah. so he he was a terrible comic and a right. terrible human being. And David Brenner used to do a bit off stage, which was, I'm having a party. You're invited. Who's going to be there? Hitler, Mussolini, Alan Bursky. Alan Bursky, I'm not going. That's how bad a guy he was. So, so, so he becomes an agent. Oh, and no. and he well, it's a perfect job. For he's that. right, yeah. but he gets the breakdowns, so he starts sending himself up for stuff. No fucking way. So now he's an agent, and and here comes the breakdowns, and they're doing. ABC is doing a movie. Can you hear the laughter? The Freddie Prince story. The guy from the White Shadow, Ira. Oh, he was an Armenian name, oh. Ira Asadorian or whatever. Right, 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 what the right. fuck his name? You know who? You know he's not yeah, here, yeah. and he's Freddie Prince. And the casting call goes that they're looking for someone to play Alan Bursky. So Bursky 
changes his name. No way. Goes in for the audition, reads, and the people at AA, uh, the people at ABC say, "You're just too angry." <laughs> Couldn't get it. So <laughs> gig. Too bad he didn't yeah, shoot himself. Yeah, right. right after too that. bad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Adrian. One time they have him emceeing at Dangerfields, and you know right. how tough a room that oh, was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The toughest room. So Adrian is going on first, and they have Bursky emceeing, and Adrian and he's just alienating the crowd, and you know he's got he's doing like fifteen up front, and Adrian says, you know. I, I it's five minutes. He's yelling at people. I go downstairs. I go to the bathroom. I come back upstairs, and this is right here. Here's five bucks. Go on the street and buy yourself a fucking pill. I mean, it's, and, and now the comedy of Adrian told. She was a, I mean, he was just so you know Horrible. all the charm of a dock strike. Thank wow. you. So Eddie, Eddie, you know, engaged a lot of people in that. And Correct. And would write to me, can you know, you know me, you know me. And I was thinking, yeah, I do, but I. <laughs> I Nevertheless. N- yeah, I mean, I never was even, he wouldn't even entertain coming to see me do a set or anything, you know. Um, but it's not. It's and, and, and he would, but not only that, it was one of those things where it would go so far down the line right. that he would make it, you know, in his head. That it was your idea not to be on the show, right, 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 <laughs> right. You, you know, and that's the and I mean that it was the New York show, and the New York comics should have been on that fucking show. You well, know? there were a million, yeah. yeah. And, and and look, there's a lot of people that didn't get the Tonight Show who should have, right? Of course, there's a big. That's a big. That's a long right. club of which I am a member, mm-hmm. and um, but. I don't. It it wasn't it wasn't a comic making those decisions. Right. And you can say, and I believe that comics booking the shows at Catch is what made Catch so great. Right. Because they knew they knew the energy. They right. knew they knew how to put the show a show a together. Show together. Yeah. They knew when it's time for a high energy jack, right. when it's time for a low energy jack, when it's time for a singer. Yeah. And that's a good idea when right. everybody's getting six bucks, and it doesn't really it doesn't really cost anybody their career or it's not, you're not a gatekeeper. And um, yeah, I I know that. And I hope that uh, I'm sure that he's working and I'm sure he's doing okay. Mm -hmm. And I I know that he uh, harbors, you know, some uh, blame against me, but I didn't, you know, I didn't do it. Right. You know, and um, he got a lot of times at bat. Right. And he did. He did a lot of good work. And a for lot a of people don't get that many. T- I mean, most people don't get that many times. Well, you know, I it. would. There was a club. The only club I drew at on the road was in Detroit because I'd do the morning radio show, and people would come. It was never, you know, it was right. never a draw. And uh, but I drew in 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 Detroit, and it was the the Comedy Castle was the best. Oh one. yeah, I remember Mark that. Ridley, yes, great guy, yes, not yes, from this yes. earth. So I would, you know, I play there twice a year. Mm-hmm. So I would come in. And I, my hand of God, I would come in, and it would always be, I would walk in, oh, thank God you're here. Kip Adada was here last week. <laughs> he had 250 walkouts. He walked out in a $1,500 bar t- dollar bar tab. He trashed his room. Right. <laughs> got one waitress pregnant, took right. another to the free clinic. <laughs> thank God. Yeah. <laughs> God, you're here. Right? Yeah. And then six months later, I'd be back at the same money. Right. And 
I'm so oh thank God you're here. Kipadon. Yeah, I know. Right? At a race. That's, at a race. Right. You know. What the fuck you, is that? Because yeah, some that? people some people really know how to be that fly vinegar right. thing. You know, they really know uh, uh, how to do that. I mean, Rich, the late Rich Jenny, mm-hmm. no, nobody better on stage. Right. But the, the, the thing is, he should have lived on right. stage. Right. Because he couldn't navigate right. life, life on off stage. Yeah. And, um, but he was endlessly annoyed. And I, have, I just finished another novel. <laughs> and it, it was relentless. And I want that memoir so I bad. Know. But it's I have a book coming out. I just finished a book. What's and the it's, name? It, it's it's about a it's about a, a comic a bust out sixty year old comic named Tommy Dash, who's trying to apologize his way back into show business. Right. And the book is called "Was It Everything I Said?" <laughs> and the first story, he's got to apologize to Clint Eastwood. And this right. is what this is something that happened to Rich Jenny. And I told it at his memorial. And I saw Jenny and I. We went out for dinner with Adrian. This is a few years, you know, however many years ago. Right. And I said, I've been telling a story about you. I don't even know if it's true or not. And he says, go ahead. And I said, I heard that you got like a really nice part in the Clint Eastwood movie Bird. Like the perfect part for a comic. Right. One scene where it's all you. By the way, you were the only good thing in I'm Dying Up Here. You were great. thank you. You were great. How about how they think we can't act? What is that shit? Yeah, uh, yeah, because. And I keep, I'm like. Send that out. I, I've, I, right. Yeah. So, so he you. gets he gets this um, he gets this scene in Bert. Now Clint Eastwood is notorious for coming in under budget, mm-hmm. eight hour days, mm-hmm. total preparation, right. and he films all rehearsals. So Jenny shows up, and they're going to do his scene. So Jenny re- re- rehearses the scene, and Jenny does it, and they stop, and Clint says, "Hey, you know that was great." But could you do it again and be a little less angry? And Jenny, in front of the cast, the crew, you know, says, I'm too angry. Here's a guy who comes into town, kills everybody. And Clint walks by the AD and says, get rid of him. And <laughs> oh, God. So I tell Jenny the story, and he says, not only did it happen, he says, you tell it much better than yeah. me. <laughs> I told his memorial, and so this is the this is the first thing Tommy Dash has to apologize to Clint Eastwood, and so there's a lot of stuff like that, and there's a lot of names that we'll oh, all know, and great. great stories, and stories stories I know, stories that happened to me, stories right. I had to uh, 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 make up. Um, you know, um, uh, Robin Williams one time was on the show, and at the um, at the end he was running through all these great heckle lines that he had heard mm-hmm. people say from the audience. And there's a, the guy, John Filo, who's a photographer, caught a picture of me and him. And I went up to him and I said, the best heckler line I ever heard from an audience was, hey, move away, I can't see the bricks. <laughs> uh, that's fucking great. That's the best. <laughs> that is the best. So, um... I, I I ask everyone these two questions. Go ahead. Uh, a, have you ever been on any antidepressants? No. Why? I knew it. Yes, finally. Shut Somebody. up. Me and I you. Know. I, I know. Our own I mean, you, Seth? Oh God, no. I know. Yeah, I want to get go. off so bad. You know I what Larry Amaros used to call his mother? What? Placidil Domingo. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's fucking funny. Well, do you uh, have you tried to titrate down? Yeah, I'm doing that now. But I had a very bad clinical depression. How long? Almost eight years ago. So. And how long did it last? It lasted a long time. I mean, it took me to feel better like two and a half years, but till I woke up and I was like, oh, I'm okay. Are you asking me? Do I believe in them? No. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, we always <laughs> we're very pro mental health and stuff. So. Uh, you know, and it helps people when we talk about it. And there's so many people that have been on the show. But that, it is yeah. it is such an imprecise right science. And um, I mean, I've had to I've had a lot of trial and errors. Right. You know, you've and that's, had to, that's you've had to do some buffet. Yeah. You've had yeah. to do some of the buffet. And now I like to eat the whole fucking buffet because of these <laughs> right. fucking. All right. The other thing we always ask is what pisses you off? Like what? fucking makes you fucking crazy pissed off you mean other than trying to enter this building today yes. <laughs> i know I mean, so that's fucking annoying well i building. told you about the i told you about the the people after right. the memorial that drove right. me crazy yeah that's the worst but the, the thing in, the thing in general is when somebody tries to put me to work for them right that's the thing that's sort of the general thing and i'll tell you one or, or you know, between my mother mm -hmm. and Dave, I have a giant reservoir for narcissism. Right. But it's not endless. Right. So, it, you know, and you also, if you're a, a narcissist, you have to be talented. Right. Or you have to be smart. Right. And then, you know, then I'll go along. You know, right. then I'll, you know, I'll be, you know, I'll be the extra in your movie. Right. But sometimes people... Uh, they just it's just batting practice for them right so years ago I wrote for the New Yorker for a little while until they you know got rid of their editor and put somebody in charge that totally free of the gift of irony and yeah, um, exactly and yeah. um, so I wrote a piece called Jerry Springer's voicemail and this was at the height of Jerry was this the shouts and murmurs yeah, yeah this yeah. was at the height of Jerry Springer's popularity right. and he went on Larry King when he was still alive and he said to Larry <laughs> So, and he, he said to Larry, we get, we get 5,000 calls a day of people that want to be on the show. So I thought, well, this will be a great premise, right. Jerry Springer's voicemail. And so I don't remember, one of them was, Jerry, do you still do makeovers? My son is a Nazi skinhead. <laughs> I'd like you to turn him into a Republican congressman. <laughs> He's a 46 Husky. You know, it's, yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's like hilarious. that. Yeah. So now it comes out, peace comes out. The New Yorker calls me. They say, there's a guy desperate to get in touch with you. Can we give him your home number? I say, yeah. A guy calls me and he says, do you know me? I said, no, you called me. <laughs> he said, I just read your piece in the New Yorker and I noticed that you use the name um, Resnick, like James Resnick. And I said, uh, yeah. He said, well, that's my uh, father-in-law's name. I said, congratulations. <laughs> I said, I like the name uh, Resnick. What can I tell you? Yeah. The guy says, no, wait, 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 wait. He said, the issue is dated March 4th. And that's my wife and my wedding anniversary. So I was wondering 
you know, with mentioning my father-in-law and our anniversary, if you did this piece, it's kind of a tribute to me and my wife. Oh, my God. And, and I say to him, listen, I, I don't know you. I've never met you. I like the name Resnick. So now the guy realizes that maybe he's been a little grandiose. <laughs> so the next thing he says is, so what, are you like a writer? <laughs> no way! <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and I said, yeah, and you're going to hear a sound. It's going to sound like I'm hanging right. up, but keep talking. <laughs> but that, to me, that is, is so egregious, you know. Yeah. Crazy. What do you think about this Harvey wine, like this? Oh, I can't believe you're, you're teeing this one up for me. I can't believe this. The, um, the, uh, uh sexual um uh predator surprised me right because as i tweeted i hope all these accusations of being a sexual predator predator don't diminish his reputation as a bullying scumbag <laughs> <laughs> because because i got into it with him uh, years ago really yeah and adrian was because so it's it's oh, october Weinstein, sorry where's this in the october of uh, 2000, Hillary is running for senator. Right. Bill is in his last four months in the White House. And they decide they're going to have a birthday party fundraiser at Roseland. Right. When it was still alive, Roseland. And right. uh, <laughs> so it happened to be yeah. the dark week for our show, Conan, and Saturday Night Live. So they round us all up for free. And um, there were a lot of yeah. Because you know, let me <laughs> yeah. let's face it. If we can pass on any practical advice, yeah. if you're willing to work for free, you'll work for the rest of your life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if you believe anything yeah. I've told you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now. Oh my god. They, so the, there's a lot of writers, but the three main writers are Jonathan Groff, who was the head writer of Conan, right? Tremendous, and Stilson, and and me, right? And 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 Stilson's doing remotes. And Jonathan is the real head writer, right. and I'm running the monologue, right. and maybe I wrote a sketch or whatever. Right. So they need a host. I say, let me get Nathan Lane. Right. So he's a friend. So I get Nathan. Yeah. You know. So we write some jokes, and me and a few other guys. And um, Harvey is producing it with Jane Rosenthal, who's De Niro's partner, right. Tribeca Films. Yes. And I'm sure she's a very talented foreseeing gal right but all i know about her is her coming up to everyone and going, you know there's food in the other room right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> which i guess right that's what a producer does right there's food in the other yeah. room yeah so so uh <laughs> the word comes back to me call harvey and run the monologue by him okay it's fine but we're all working for free so right. it's this is just a courtesy right this is just batting practice so I call Harvey, I start reading him the jokes. And the first three jokes are about him being very powerful. Right. Can't stop laughing. Right. He loves it. Right. And now it's, you know, okay, that's okay, that's okay. No, no, no you know, now it starts. No, you know, what do you mean? no, it's no, we're doing this. Right. And there were about five jokes that he objected to. And I said, um, sorry, you feel that way, but, um, and if, if I was doing them, I might cut a couple, right? but Nathan's doing it, and Nathan don't work for you, and we're all working right. for free, and 
will you tell Nathan? And I said, okay, fine, I'll tell him. So I call Nathan, and I say he didn't like uh, five jokes. Well, fuck him. You know, right. we're, we're doing them. Right. They're not paying us. What, do you remember the jokes? No, wait, no. Okay, hey, well, hang sorry, on. sorry, sorry, sorry. I remember, I don't remember all five. Right. But I remember two. I'll, okay. tell you the, I'll tell you the one that he lost it over and the one <laughs> he wanted us to cut that, uh, uh, that Hillary, um, we're learning a lot about Hillary, that she, uh, when she was born, she spent nine months in her mother's womb and then another three to establish residency. <laughs> <laughs> so, because, right. That's so, so that's funny. a honey, right? right? So he, you know, apparently it bad mouths her mother's uterus. Oh, yeah, because he's so, right. you know. Yeah. Pro that. So that's... now I call Nathan and he says, well, fuck, no, I don't care. We're doing them, this and that. And I said, fine, I'm with you. I'm with you all the way. So now we get to the gig and we're backstage. Adrian comes with me and um, Nathan pulls me aside. And uh, they're all on prompter. And Nathan doesn't need, because nobody remembers stuff. He's got a photographic right. memory. There's nobody like him. He's so fucking talented. There's, there's nobody yeah. like him. And the nicest So he says, to, he says to me, let's cut these two, because I don't care if I do them or not. But we're doing the other three. So now here comes Harvey, and he swaggers in. And uh, I said, we cut two, but we're doing these three, you know, and he's getting angry. And now it all centers on one. He's kind of given in to two of the three. Right. But he is holding firm on this joke, which I wrote, which was Mayor Giuliani couldn't be here tonight. He's downtown performing his one-man show, The Comb-Over Monologues. <laughs> <laughs> and he's mad about that? That's yeah. fucking because, hilarious. Because he needs Giuliani to approve. He's not going to, he thinks it's going to piss oh off. Oh, It's going to be in the poster. So... I say, this is a harmless joke. Right. We're not cutting it. He's screaming. At, and then he calls over Jim Naughton, who's an right. actor who's directing the whole right. thing. He said, Jim Naughton, come on. And I said, oh, this is a fixed fight. Right. He's bringing a buddy over here to say this. And Jim Naughton picks up the script. Looks, I don't think it's offensive. Fuck you. Fuck all of you. You're a piece of shit. Fuck you, Nathan. And now he sort of, right. he sort of, uh, chest bumps Nathan and no says way. fuck you it's not your fault it's not my fault you don't have a fucking film career and I see Nathan oh just sort God. of sink down into a chair now it's like 10 minutes before the right. show so now I come in and I get in Harvey's face <laughs> Adrian said I couldn't believe it and I said back up it's over he's doing it you don't have a fucking show without him. You know, fuck you, I'll get Billy D. Williams to, you know, or some right, guy like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some guy, I'll get Bill Box. Yeah. <laughs> really, he's <Yeah>. available. <laughs> Bill Box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, what a break. Jim Jensen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jim Jensen was the best softball pitcher in the no history way. of Central Park. In the history. No, and really? better drunk. I yeah. mean, he was a big shika. Yeah, big, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, shika. Oh, yeah. sorry. Uh, so, uh, and 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 I mean, and I back him off, and uh, and Nathan. Um, then I go. Then I go to the teleprompter, and I put the three jokes back in the teleprompter. Oh get, yes. Yeah. And Nathan. So Nathan does it. Everything kills. And Harvey comes up to me. Bill, Bill, what can I do? I said, Harvey, you don't have a fucking show without any of us. What's the matter with you? You can't fucking talk to people. They're working for free. You can't, talk, you know, so the whole thing and they raise 
a record number of money. They, you know, and Hillary right. wins easily. It's that hanging curveball, Vic Lazio, wherever right. they tossed up, yeah. and you know, and and um, you know, they raise all this money, and everybody, and 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 Cher was there, and 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 Nathan had to vamp because she was running late, mm-hmm. and Nathan was, and Cameron Diaz, and Ben Affleck, and everybody from Saturday Night Live. The whole thing. It's a great, you know. Pop, mm-hmm. pop, pop, pop. Okay, so now the thing's over. Now the reason why I told you, there were three primary writers on this show. There's Jonathan Groff, Jeff Stilson, and me. So, the show's over. Jonathan Groff gets a side gig at Miramax, some punch-up gig, like 50 G's. Right. Wow. Stilson gets a pitch meeting at Miramax. <laughs> right. And I think they optioned like an idea. Oh right. Oh, my God. And I... <laughs> I'm on this got, podcast. Got pasta in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's I mean, oh, and you know it's like God. that scene in Scrooge, yeah. you know. Towel. You know, it's like yeah. yeah. How the fuck can you do that to Nathan Lane? Yeah. Fuck him. But Nathan got back at him. Yes. Because Nathan recently. Be, no, no, uh, yeah. not not well, not he well, did. well he yeah. talked about the New York, but it was either that was in October. So I wanna say it was either at the Academy Awards in March or the following year. I think it was that March. Right. Nathan is a presenter for uh, animation because he was a voiceover right. in something, whatever, one, one of the million right. things. And he got up and the first line out of his mouth was, you know, people always ask me when they find out I'm in animated films, they always ask me the same question. Which one in Monsters Incorporated is Harvey, and which one is Bob? <laughs> and I turned to Adrian and I said, he got him. That's <laughs> fucking that great. Isn't that great? That is fucking great. Good Amazing. for him. But All right. Incredible. Uh, what time is it? It's five. I know. Five, I could say. What, ta- I could what do time four did I come? That's what I you. told you. I could be here for seven hours asking I know. Stuff. I fucking love you. You're the best. It's so easy, though, because we know each other. We I have know, this. I know, but you're just the best storyteller. Oh, that's very sweet. You are. That's you are the everybody. best. Yeah. And again, I can't thank you enough. My entire career was based on doing. The Late Show with David Letterman. Yeah. Oh, but you, my I mean, entire career. But it was so great. Oh, thanks. That was so great. It just took. I mean, look, you can be spiritual, and you can say you did the show when you were supposed to do it. Right. You know, and I don't want to tell God his business. Right. <laughs> but it was. I want to say three right. years later. Yeah. It worked. It worked out. Uh, my dad got to see it. Oh, his that's Father's so Day, great. The first one. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. great. And um, my mother's dad. I couldn't. Yeah. My the two dad. one right. pitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Runners on the move. Throw down. Not in time. <laughs> now, are you on? Twitter or anything? Yes, I am on Twitter. Okay, so Bill Shaft, S-C-H-E-F-T. At Twitter, that's it. I have my blog. You have your new podcast on My new podcast, which you'll dropping one of these days. You're the fucking, I can't. And we only got to. I could still go on. So, can I just, so, when I was writing, I wrote for, I wrote on two Academy Awards. I wrote on the ill-fated Uma Oprah Academy yeah. was, and then I wrote for Chris Rock mm-hmm. and Chris Rock uh, hired a bunch of comics to write for him in 2005 among them Nick DiPaolo right. and Richie Voss right. and as I've always said about Nick DiPaolo if right. there was a cul-de-sac yeah. and there were two comedy clubs at on either side of the cul-de-sac and you put whoever you want to put in the one on the left you right. put 
Louis C.K. Right. or Jerry or anybody or Pryor, and you put Nick DiPaolo on the one on the right, I'm going to the one on the right. Right, right, right. Just because it's Nick, and you yeah, know yeah. that you know there might be punches. Right, right. And uh, <laughs> so I'll tell you two stories from that. So me, uh, Voss, and DiPaolo had come out from New York, so we didn't have a car, so we used to have to wait for rides. Right. So we're out in front of the uh, hotel getting ready to go to a meeting, and Voss is wearing like a sleeveless right cut off thing and he's got a tattoo <laughs> that says never, never again, again yeah. right and DePaulo said would a club owner give you that after you had that <laughs> that's fucking great that's fucking great oh man yeah so, that's all that's uh, all I, I I don't know what to say this is the best this was one. long was overdue but um, it was great. But you know, I'm, I want to tell you how proud I am of you because well, thank because you. and and both of you are you know the best thing you can say to a comic is that you're doing exactly what you should be right. doing. And I remember when I started catching, I'd seen all the AX. I hadn't seen Glenn Hirsch, and I said to Adrian, "What what's who's Glenn Hirsch like?" And she said, "He's like Glenn Hirsch." And I said, "What do you mean?" She said, "When you get good." You can't compare right. yourself to anybody. It's right. just you. It's just you up there, and people can cop your stuff, right, right. but nobody can do it like you can do it. So, you know, that's so, and, and both of you are in that club. It's not Thank a big you. club. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. That's love high them. compliment. I love yes. Adrian. I love you yeah. guys. So. And you are like royalty. No, you are. And for, you're there from the beginning. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that was. But we were lucky that yeah. we were we were at it when it really started hit. hitting. Yeah. And uh, you know, we had Susie on the podcast, and 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 Harvey Weinstein's name came up. Right. <laughs> Time of the fall, wrestling yeah. fans, and and yeah. um, and some and uh, my co-host Susan Corn said to her, yeah, and said to her. Um, did you encounter any of that? And she said, you know, I'm sure I did, but it was the wild way. We didn't care. We just right. wanted to get on stage. Right. We were being paid six bucks. Right. And we, and the thing is, and this is a blanket statement, it's probably unfair, but every comic in New York when I was starting out wanted to be a comic. Right. And every comic in L.A. wanted to be something else. Yes, absolutely. And that was, and every comic was a comic right. because they had to be. Right. Not because it was an idea, good idea, right. and certainly not because it was lucrative. Right. So that was the thing. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And and, and the other thing I'll say it. about comics is that if you if you're in an if you're in an airport and you have a three hour layover, and and you know, like you're in DFW, you got a three hour right. layover, and you're sitting, and then you're sitting, and the stranger sits next to you, and he's a comic, and you're a comic, and you're strangers. You start talking, that three hours flies. flies by. You ever work for this guy? What a yeah. scumbag! Yeah. Yep. You think he's a scumbag? Yeah. What about this guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the truth. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And what other? I mean, there, there's, uh, and 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 I'm gonna, you know, I made fun of him before, but Jay, God bless him, when I finally got to talk to him said uh he said listen you know in the end <laughs> you got to do them when you yeah. do it right. you know in the end we're all you know we're all comics you know there's not too many of us and when one of us dies it's a loss and when one of us it's funny dies it's a real loss and that's what he was yeah. telling me about adrian yeah. and that was you know and that yeah. was really true because in the end you know i haven't been on stage 
since 1993, right. since they cut me in for Hicks. Right. And I, I literally have not been on stage and done a stand-up set since then. But I always am happy when people introduce me as a comedian. Because right. I'll always be a comic. Right. And yeah. It's your roots. All right. Well, I have to go do a set. Um, <laughs> everyone, follow Bill. Leonard, anything? Uh, Leonard Marcus? Yep. I have a podcast come out called Four Corners. You oh. can catch that on the Riotcast Network. I'm going to have to have Judy come on. What I would the love fuck? to have You're both of you. You're cheating on me? What? I can have my own show, can I, no. at some point? Why um, not? Thank you, Seth. Oh, you're welcome. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great to be here. And thank Good you laugher. I know. He laughs. He's great. How about how he laughs? <laughs> and he's funny. smart. It's um, funny. I laugh when it's funny. Yeah, whatever. Uh, thank <laughs> you all for sure you're a wonderful father. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as we always say, so long! Don't forget to subscribe to Kill Me Now on iTunes and leave us a great review. Or just go fuck yourself. <laughs> Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.